Hi, I'm Natalie Heacock. And I'm Chelsea Brown. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Lumber Slingers. Hey, Natalie. Hello, hello. Hi, I'm super excited to introduce our guest today. The episode today we are doing is on FSC, and we have Shane Belk with us. He is the Director of Certification and Supply Chain Compliance at Zim4 up in Vancouver Island in BC. So thanks for joining us today, Shane. Thanks for having me. Did I pronounce everything correctly? You nailed it. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for being our number eight episode. Excellent. Yes. So Shane, Zimfor is a medium-sized consulting company focused on sustainable forestry. Would you mind giving us a little introduction of of yourself and and kind of what you do at Zimfor? Yeah, sure. So Zimfor, we're we're based out of uh, Camel River, British Columbia um, on the West Coast. We've been in business for going on 25 years. We're consultants. We work internally only with clients directly. We help clients evaluate what best certification systems and management systems that fit their company. And that can include a chain of custody, whether that's FSC or a different brand. And we do ISO systems, safety systems, any sort of management system that they need. Our focus in the last, I would say, 15 to 20 years has been in the mostly in the in the wood product sector. So that goes from timberlands through sawmills, pulp mills, log and lumber traders. And we also work with mining clients, tourism clients, the, the, the whole gamut. Yeah, we don't do external auditing or anything like that. We're just, we work strictly in-house directly with clients. Wow, I didn't know any of that. That's awesome. Yeah, there you go. So is your customer base like 200 different companies, 500, just an idea? We probably, I mean, I think we're talking about chain of custody and, and FSC today mostly. We manage actively about 75 chain of custody files a year. And then on top of that, that doesn't capture kind of our supply chain work that we work on, which we do globally. So folks that are importing from, say, well, anywhere outside of the U.S. are looking for Lacey Act compliance and whatnot. And we help uh, a lot of clients with that as well. Yeah, so we're our active client base is probably somewhere between 75 and 125, something like that. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. I know that you've been a great partner with our company. And as far as when we have FSC audits and PEFC audits, a great partner to have. You really have added value to the whole process of FSC because it helps that you guys are an expert in that so we can sell lumber. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, our our goal uh, with clients always is to take the complicated and technical stuff um, required in a various, in, in any of the certification standards, the rule books demystify it, make it simple so that we can use it on a day-in, day-out basis, and then set up a system that works for everyone that is simple, and then get through the audits and then back to business. Um, Because it's really implementing management systems, not core to our client's business. Core to your business is buying and selling lumber and being profitable doing it. So we come in, make things simple, get the job done, go out the back door, let you guys get back to the task at hand. We love it. We love that. So starting with basic basics, what is FSC? 
Mm. FSC is an acronym for the Forest Stewardship Council. It's an independent third-party voluntary certification scheme. Um, They're based in Bonn, Germany. And it was, FSC has been around for 20, 25 years. And FSC, in essence, the very beginning of it was focused on sustainability. So FSC has what's called a forest management standard. Um, And it's a set of rules that if you own timberlands and you want to sell those uh, logs that come off those timberlands as certified, you have to follow their their rules, their, their forest management standard. Uh, you manage your forest sustainably, which means you can grow the trees, harvest them, sell them, replant them, and do that in perpetuity. They have their set of rules uh, and their version of sustainability. You follow that, and then you can sell your logs as FSC certified. The next link in the supply chain would need to have a chain of custody certificate if they want to purchase and then in turn make sales of certified products. So every link in the supply chain has to have a chain of custody to show that they can trace and keep separate the certified and the non-certified wood. And so there's a chain of custody standard that we follow for Patrick Lumber so that when we're sourcing FSC certified lumber, we can track it within our facilities and then make certification claims to our end customer. At the end of the day, when a customer, um, whether it's something, something that we're buying or one of our customers is buying, when it says FSC certified on the invoice and on the shipping documents, that's supposed to communicate to them that the wood that they've got was sourced from a sustainably managed forest. Big picture. Wow. Very good. There you go. We have no more questions. Thanks for coming today. (laughs) All right. Take care. (laughs) Uh, Okay. One question that comes to mind when we're talking about FSC, I see the label slapped on a lot of things, you know, Mm -hmm. hairbrush. uh, And maybe when I walk into a building, I see the FSC label attached to something called LEED. Uh, Mm -hmm. Building is LEED certified. How are those two things related? Okay, so LEED is another kind of certification scheme. Um, LEED stands for Leadership in Energy and Efficiency Design. And it's a green building scheme. So under LEED, without getting into too much detail, there's kind of three levels. There's, I think there's silver, gold, and platinum. So if you're a builder and you've got a development or a high-rise or a building, whatever it is, you can decide that, hey, I want to have my building LEED certified. And that may be just for personal reasons, because it makes you sleep better at night. It can be a government mandate. I know certain governments, uh, and and sometimes governments do that to to kind of lead, um, (laughs) L-E-A-D, industries, and they they kind of be early adopters. For example, uh, one of our clients, they have a warehouse up in Anchorage, Alaska, which has a large department DND footprint, but all DND buildings are LEED certified. So they produce and sell a lot of FSC certified material. Anyway, I'm, I'm a little ahead of myself. So lead buildings are supposed to be green. So they're, you know, they have whether they get points uh, to achieve those certification schemes or those, those classes for gold, silver, gold, and platinum. You get points for sourcing locally, uh, recycling rainwater on site, minimizing waste, similar requirements. One of the ways that a builder can attain, attain points is using FSC certified lumber or inputs. And so they get I think they, get, they can get up between two and six points, depending on, on what they're buying. So anyone that's putting together a LEED certified project may call you and say, hey, we're buying lumber. We want our, our lumber to be FSC certified because we're trying to garner points towards our LEED project. And so that's often where you get traction and interest from customers is through the LEED, the, uh, the lead interest. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. As oftentimes I hear this is going into a lead project, you know, if I'm quoting an order. So um, that makes sense as to why it's 
Uh, yeah, and there are other certification schemes, but FSE has done a good job of marketing theirs differently than the others, and they're the only one, for the most part, that garners any points under LEED. So um, that's why it's a little bit different there, uh, and and there, you won't get the same questions for other certification schemes that you might have. So you kind of um, alluded to this a little bit, but why is FSC important? I mean, besides the fact that some governments may require it, it's now part of these green building initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, what what else? Well, it's a it's a good question. I guess there's two or three different reasons why someone might get FSC certified. Usually when we get a, a prospective client calling us say, hey, I want to, I need a quote to help get certified. And the first question is like, all right, well, when you say certified, what are we talking about? And then we explore options and, and, and whatnot. For FSC, FSC is very much backed by NGOs like uh, World Wildlife Fund, Greenpeace, that kind of thing. And so in, in terms of sustainable uh, forest management, sustainability certification schemes, FSC is seen as the, the greenest of the green. It's kind of the gold standard. Um, if you ask somebody at, at World Wildlife Fund, you know, what certification scheme out there should, you know, is the best one, they'll say hands down FSC is the only one. The other ones you shouldn't even talk about. We shouldn't use them. Um, so it, it's very, it's, it has a DNA and a lot of backing by NGOs. So there's that. And so maybe you want to be a green company, whatever that means. Um, and so you want to say, hey, you know what? We should get FSC certified because then we'll be a green company and we can market this however we want to market it. Another reason might be you're really, uh, right now, ESG is all, all the rage in terms of, of, of Wall Street, energy and, and sustainability and governance. And so having a greener footprint you know, might help your ESG profile, might do something good for your stock. One of the larger reasons, though, I would say is that your customer's demanding it. Your customer mm-hmm. wants it. Um, your customer's got a lead project, got to have FSC. We want to buy from you, but you don't have FSC, so let's get this done because you want the business, you do that. And then the last reason in, in is some of your customers might have a procurement policy. So, and, and these policies are, are more common with some of the big box stores, the, the Lowe's, the Home Depot's, that kind of thing. They've got policies. Some of them are out, outward facing and they'll, they'll communicate them on their websites and whatnot. Others are, I think, held a little more closely. Uh, but the policies say it's something like, all of our wood suppliers will be certified or FSC, and we will give preference to FSC certification. So if you want a national contract to supply Lowe's across the U.S. and you need to have FSC certification, you want the contract or not, go get your certificate, bring it to us. We can do business. Without it, you're dead to us. So procurement policies, by and large, um, really do direct some, some pull on what people are doing. That's a fact. That's probably not well communicated either. So those are the reasons I would say. Makes sense. So if I'm buying a FSC, if I'm buying a product from an FSC certified company, should I assume that it's FSC certified? Oh, that's the golden question. And it actually links directly to what we were just talking about with the procurement policies. Just because a company is FSC certified, you absolutely cannot assume everything they're selling you is certified. Only if it's got a certification claim and a number on the invoice to you then you can be assured that it's certified. And I think that's probably one of the biggest misnomers probably on the market. And it's probably the most interesting thing going back to the procurement policy. Okay, let's talk about Lowe's. Let's say that you are the number one, that you're now a supplier to Lowe's. You said that you're FSC certified. You went and did all this stuff. You give them their certificate and they start purchasing. None of the purchases are certified. Oh, okay. So 
having a chain of custody certificate and, and posting it to, to your website and, and communicating that's advertising, selling something as certified, that's actually, that, that's wholly different. And it's probably, I would say with our clients, probably 90% of their business is not certified. That's, and that's being 10% certified business that that's being pretty generous. It's, it's a pretty small subset. People want to know that you're certified. They'll ask you lots and lots of questions. They'll kick those tires, but calling in and making that, squeezing the trigger on it, much less common. And that's so just, on the invoice, you always have the FSC logo, but unless you actually have the certification, then it's not certified. Okay. So now we're right? getting layers of the onion. It's a big, ugly onion, I always tell people. So we talk about it. Everyone knows it's an onion. Take a layer off. So you're talking about uh, logos and labels. Okay. Then there's two flavors of logos and labels. One's promotional. Hey, we're FSC certified. And the other one is is an on-product logo that says, this product is certified. Oh. So, and, and when you sell something as certified, you have to have a claim. This product is FSC certified. Here's our number where you can look us up and verify that we're legit. That claim has to be on the invoice. It is not a requisite or, or a must to have labels or logos like the tree and the FSC, you know, all that. That's a bonus. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do that. It's not a must. Um, but it's and everywhere. So, that, that little logo is everywhere though. Well, you know it. It is and it isn't. And so where, you, where you're mostly seeing it is on paper products, I would say. Um, you're seeing it, What's that? My coffee cup. And coffee cups. Okay, that's right. So packaging and paper, there's a lot more FSC prominence in the marketplace in paper, not in wood. I defy you to find me a stick of lumber that's got an FSC heat <laughs> brand on it or on, or on the wrap. And there's reasons for that. They've, the paper industry has done a really good job of advocating lobbying whatever FSC to make things easier for them than it is on the wood product side. Um, and so there's more traction and there's more fiber. Interesting. So there you- Yeah, there's also a fear of, you know, if we're putting an FSC label on something that's, we're not going through that certification process or listing or chain of custody. We don't want to be audited or slapped on the hand for using the chain of custody incorrectly because, um, you know, we don't have to go into the weeds about FSC, but we have a bucket which only has a certain amount of credits for each species. And so mm-hmm. we don't want to be giving up random board footages that the customer is not even requesting FSC, you know. So it's like kind of a cagey cat in that way of we're not certifying, we're not just certifying everything FSC, right? It's no, no, that's a, it's a really good, it's a- that's a great point. So, and it ties into what we were just talking about in paper. There's lots of certified fiber or paper out there, and they get most of their uh, certified inputs not from from timberlands that are FSC certified. Most of it comes from reclaimed, recycled material, which mm-hmm. there's, we all we all recycle. So there's a lot of input into the into the fiber stream for paper that allows them to make claims and sell things as certified. But their that's buckets not, overflowing. Yeah, but that's not true in the solid wood sector. So mm-hmm. especially on the west coast now, there are there's the amount of FSC certified timberlands where you can have an FSC certified log and turn it into FSC certified lumber is very, very, very low. There's not much on the West Coast at all. Um, there's more Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ontario, Canada, Quebec, and some of the Eastern states, there are more FSC certified timberlands, but I mean, red cedar, Doug fir, big hemlock, that's all, that's West Coast species. And yeah. so, the lack of FSC certified fiber in the log and lumber side of the industry is a concern because 
you're right. We don't have, we can't, we don't have a surplus of FSC certified lumber to be just given out willy nilly to clients. And so I, we tell people, Hey, if they're not asking, I wouldn't necessarily just give it away. If they're asking for it, well, then then we can go check the, the cookie jar and see if we have enough to, to sell. And so this also ties into our conversation about having limited sales and programs. And this is common, I would say, through almost all of our customers, clients in the solidwood part of the, of the sector is that everyone is pretty afraid of putting together large uh, multi-year commitments to uh, a customer because they don't want to create necessarily an expectation that they can't deliver on. It's pretty hard to say, well, we're going to sell everything to um, you know, a big box store for the next three years on a national contract that's FSC certified. Like, okay, that sounds great. Then you turn around and like, can we get that? Get yeah, the answer can I have no. some of that? <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> it's not there. So you're like, well, what are you guys doing with the certification? Well, we're trying to manage, you know, we've, we've got some, but we can't go too crazy and try and sell this everywhere because we won't be able to feed the machine. Like you have to, it's a very difficult balance. And it's, yeah, it's, it's probably one of the bigger challenges in the FSC ecosystem currently, I would say, especially on the West Coast. I, that leads me to another kind of question that spurs from that. Why are there not as many FSC credits? Because if you look, you know, we do, every vendor supplier we work with has gone through the paperwork of saying, yes, we practice mm-hmm. sustainable forestry. And it isn't by all means, everything is being done in a sustainable manner and the way that FSC would have it done to certify it. But maybe they're not going with the chain of custody anymore. They're not doing the correct paperwork. Why would, Why is there a shortage in solid wood products? And is that because people just don't simply want to go through all the added paperwork and steps? Or why is that? Why are we seeing a shortage? Okay, so I would say that there's probably, there's probably two, two significant reasons right now. The first and foremost is that there's, there's not much FSC timberlands, like I said, especially you know, in the Pacific Northwest. When we talked initially about having a forest management standard or a set of rules developed by FSC for management of timberlands for their version of sustainability, in essence, a land a landowner, a timberlands owner is, is probably looking at walking away from at least a third, I would say, to use a rough number, of their timberlands. They're never going to harvest it. You're going to leave that gone. You can't touch it. Well, then there's various rules in the standard that indicate, you know, there's reserves for this, there's reserves for that. And I don't make up the rules. They make up the rules. So if you own you know, if you're a private landowner and you own, I know, 100,000 acres or whatever, and you're like, well, maybe we should get certified. And you look at options out there and you say, well, let's explore, you know, the FSC option. And, and you know, you're going to leave full 30,000 of your 100,000 acres as you're never harvesting them ever, you know, for the life of your uh, cert- uh, certification. That's a lot to give up. So, you know, if you buy a house and you've got a nice big backyard and I say that you can never use a third of it mm-hmm. uh, because it's right. going to be this, this, this greenhouse you're like, well, maybe I don't want to do that. That seems like a lot to give up. Um, and so it's a tough sell. In the U.S., most timberlands are privately held. So you're asking private, whether it's a family ownership or, or a corporate or a REIT or a TMO or whatever, to walk away from a third, that's, that's a pretty tall sell. And, and you're not going to get a lot of takers. In British Columbia, where I'm based, there are, well, on the West Coast, there's really only one FSC certified 
Timberlands, and that's in Haida Gwaii right now. And the reason that they're FSC certified and it makes more sense is they have a land use order. And that's right. It's good fishing up there. Um, they have <laughs> a land use there. order. That's the only reason we're excited. We went fishing. Yeah. Up there. <laughs> they, they have if our listeners can see our faces, we just smiled big because we went fishing up there. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, they um, there's a, there's a land use order that says legally they have to leave a third, and so if they already have to do it for legal reasons. Then the next question is like, well, we have to leave it. Can we like leverage this leaving well. it behind for something? Yeah, let's get an FSC certified. All right, let's do that. High fives. But that's not really the case in most in most places. And I'll make the sec the second reason. So the first reason is that the standard is really really high. It's expensive, and you're going to walk away from a large portion of your land base. That's that's. Mm-hmm. You know, it's management prerogative for the owner whether or not they want to do that. And I think so far they're communicating they don't want to do that. The second reason is that within the chain of custody, you know, that, that's what, that's force management we talked about. On, on the chain of custody side, so this is Timberlands forward, the rules around what's required to implement a system so that you can manage it. It's called controlled wood, but it's what most allows most operators to buy and sell uh, certified products. The requirements for that are going through the roof. And it's at the point where it's basically starting to drive people away because it's just too hard. It's too complicated. It's at the point now for most certificate holders, if they want to use the credit system, even auditors will tell them, you're not, you're not going to figure this out by yourself. There's no mm-hmm. way you need third-party help or you're not going to make it. Wow. And so that, you know, that that's third-party cost and it starts to drive people away. And then they start looking around and like, do we have options? Yes, we have <laughs> options. Like, okay, maybe we should explore those. So those are the those are like I guess the, the two reasons that are currently probably um, limiting what's available FSC wise out there. Do you see some of that bureaucracy changing with FSC requirements? Yeah, I do, but not in the way you want. <laughs> it's going up and up and up. And it, it, the DNA of FSC used to be about sustainability, and I would tell people, hey, this is about growing trees and replacing them and doing it in perpetuity. And who doesn't want that? I want that. That's that's why I got into this business in the first place. But it's definitely evolving. And I actually, in the last year or so, I've started to tell people it used to be that. Now it's about ethical forestry. It's about um, ethical stuff. So we're into, now I have to look at things like gender balance in the workplace. I have to ask questions about uh, age of workers, pay scale, things that are, you know, I don't know. In, in my view, well outside of what sustainability is all about. We're talking about something totally different. Um, right. And so it's definitely evolved. FSC's got their vision of what they want the industry to look like. And they're trying to take, I would say they want to be more regulators. They would like to regulate things, but mm-hmm. that, that's their approach. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting. interesting. Going back to the dollars of, mm-hmm. you know, leaving a third of your timberland, you know, as a greenhouse, quote unquote, and then thinking, okay, well, what am I going to get for these FSC credits? Like, what price mm. can I charge? It's not comparable, right? You can't make up the funds that you're leaving on the table. Yeah, the math has to be there. Which, like I said, if you legally have to leave it, well, then it's easy because it was never yours to touch. I mean, you're walking away from it anyway. As a landowner, yeah, you, the math is not really going to work for you. And so on the timberland side, it, it's not really there. And people have for years and years and years communicate, oh, you can get a premium for this special product because the answer is no, you cannot. Um, premiums have been highly elusive. I would mm-hmm. say they've been, up until the last year, I would say in the last year, there have been some opportunities for premiums, but for the rest of the time, absolutely not. Your dollars to dollar, that's it. Really, it's about, up until now, it's been about more about maintaining marketplace. So if you want to sell to national retailers, you need to have it. 
So you're not going to get anything extra for it, but it opens the door for you and allows you to do business. And you don't want, and people haven't wanted to be, you know, if there's 10 lumber brokers out there, do you really want to be the only one that's kind of not in the club? So you want to maintain, you know, your, your, your place in the marketplace. So you kind of go along for that reason. So yeah, finance is important. Um, and premiums have typically not been there, historically not been there. Interesting. Wow. So, well, I think that butts us up on time, Natalie. Are you, yeah, I was going to say, we have so many more questions, so we're definitely going to have to do a part two. Okay. Let's open up a can of worms. Sorry, I can okay. go on and on about this stuff. <laughs> that was the fastest 30 minutes of my life. So <laughs> I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Sure. What is the last book you read? I used to be a prolific reader, but lately, not so much. I think it's got something to do with having kids. I read the biography from Dave Stewart from The Rhythmics. If you ever get a chance, very interesting guy. Interesting. I'll have to check it out. What's the most recent thing you learned within the lumber industry? Ooh, the lumber industry. Most recent thing I've learned. I would say in the last, um, I'll, go, I'll go bigger picture. In the last five years or so, especially doing supply chain clients and whatnot, my understanding of global geography is much better. <laughs> I can tell you where Suriname is, what the language is there. <laughs> And what species do they grow? That's awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. I need that. Geography. Yeah, we could use you here. It's the global marketplace. The world (laughs) is small. Um, How would you describe the lumber industry in one word? Oh, one word. Only one. Sophisticated. Ooh. Okay, now give us a couple. Now give us a few more words to explain that. I say sophisticated because I think there's stereotypes out there that you're either a lumberjack or a, a tree planter or you're a sawmill worker. Um, it's not like that. If people understood how much effort it takes to grow a tree, to plan and harvest and, and, and bring a tree to the water, to a truck, to a mill, and all the things that go to putting a tree back in the ground, and then to take that tree and turn it into lumber, remanufacture it, treat it, whatever, and get it to its end destination, it would blow their mind. Um, and, Amen. Yeah, yeah. You just made me want to cry. <laughs> It's a it's a great business. I've 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 been in it for twenty plus years now, and uh, yeah, I still learn every day, which is which is good. And um, yeah, it's amazing. Okay, last one. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing about the industry? Ooh, um, I do love the people. Most of them, ninety um, percent <laughs> of our clients are amazing people, amazing companies. And my favorite part about it is not the paperwork, it's not the dryness, it's not the technical aspects of what we're talking about today, but trying to make something complicated easy for somebody and and do something good and uh, make their life easier. So we work with we work with you guys for uh, probably ten years now. Most of our clients are amazing. Uh, it's great to work with them, and uh, yeah, it keeps it fun. Yeah, awesome. Shane, you are awesome. I hope you can come back and we have to do a part two. Okay. Part two. I'm, I'm booked. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And if me. you have questions for Shane for our next interview, make sure to email us at lumberslingers at gmail.com. Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you, Shane. Have a great weekend. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.